Welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast. I'm Rustika Lamb from Bloom, and in each episode, I chat to learning and technology thought leaders and how to support business performance through people performance. In this session, I was lucky enough to talk with Annette Light Will, who's a senior HR professional and certified facilitator in cultural transformation tools. She's a trainer and coach in Agile as well. She's lived in Switzerland, Germany, United States, Spain, France, and China and is currently the Agile Team Facilitator for Zero, one of New Zealand's top 100 tech successes. It's really obvious that she's passionate about lifelong learning and continually strives to acquire new skills. She's got an MBA in Marketing, Human Resources and Languages, as well as professional training and qualifications. She's fluent in English, German, French and Spanish. She arrived in New Zealand 10 days before lockdown in 2020 and is currently in Auckland, New Zealand. I hope you enjoy this conversation. So, Annette, welcome to the Learning 3.0 podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, Rustika. I'm really happy to be joining. Yes, I know. And someone, very exciting to have someone who's lived in Switzerland and speaks, did I say on your bio, seven languages? Oh, no, that is not doing me really. No, I speak four languages and I think that's enough already, I hope. Absolutely, absolutely. And before we came on, we were talking about um, some of your background and the fact you're at zero now, but and you have got an HR and L&D background. Do you want to give the listeners sort of a bit of a, a quick overview about what you've done in your HR and L&D background? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I actually um, started a bit late in human resources. I used to be a product manager, actually. And then I um, became um, someone who has maybe more like a general background in human resources. So I started out in executive development for a company in Germany, Mm -hmm. and I did that for four years before I moved on. And my family and I, we lived in China for two years, and I had the possibility to set up um, like the uh, performance review system there and um, work with all the expatriates from an Mm. HR perspective. And in Switzerland, where I've lived for 13 years now, before coming to New Zealand, I uh, worked as um, the head of an HR department for a sales subsidiary. And I was in learning and development again, because that's my passion. So after the four years executive development, I came back and I was head of learning and development and cultural transformation for a company that does real estate service um, in Mm -hmm. Switzerland. So that's kind of my background. Fantastic. And so how did you land in New Zealand from that fabulous international career? Um, I kind of, I can't really um, give you a rational reason. It was more like I thought I still need to explore something new in my life. And I think that brings us close to what our topic might be, being agile, adapting to change. And I (laughs) felt like, yeah, I felt like I needed a little bit of a transformation in my life. And um, New Zealand is not unknown to me. This is my sixth time here. I've been here as a tourist. I've got friends here. And I thought it might be a country for me to explore. And I also heard about the possibilities of in New Zealand being more open, you know, to change careers. Mm -hmm. And I actually wanted to go more into something uh, related to Agile. And that's where I tried my luck and got lucky. And I work as an Agile team facilitator now for uh, a company here in New Zealand. 
Fantastic. So how long have you been in New Zealand? I arrived actually on the 17th of March, 2020. So that was right before <laughs> lockdown, you which, um, <laughs> yes, without a job. And that made it even uh, more interesting to okay. start networking here virtually and attending Agile meetups and uh, meet people who work in this space already. So, yeah, that's where my journey started, actually. Well, welcome to New Zealand. So I was at uh, 10 days before lockdown. Right. Thank <laughs> well you. Done. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really happy to be here. That's awesome. So tell us about what your view of Agile is, because I think it's a really, especially in sort of L&D and, and HR, quite a misunderstood term. But do you want to explain what your sort of take on Agile is? Yeah, I have to admit, I'm still feel like a baby, very new to Agile. So um, I had my first contact with something called Agility in an organization in 2016 because they wanted to go towards an Agile organization, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I like to refer it as what, if I may quote that, is being written on the uh, homepage of the Agile Alliance because that really, I think, reflects a bit how I think about Agile or being Agile. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, what they say is being Agile is the ability to create and respond to change. Mm -hmm. It is a way of dealing with and ultimately succeeding in an uncertain and turbulent environment. And I think that uh, Mm -hmm. describes it for me because for me, um, Agile is more like a capability that doesn't have an end. It's not a process or methodology, what you might think. For me, it's really rather becoming agile and being agile and being able to deal what we refer to in the world nowadays, the VUCA world, you know, dealing with um, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And I hope you can relate to that. So, that's my understanding of Agile. Mm, and I love that um, that quote on that. So it's Agile Alliance. That's a website, is it? So is that- yes, it's Agile Alliance. And it's actually on the homepage right in the front. And mm. yeah, that's what I like to refer to. And um, if I recall it, um, a lot of people talk about the Agile Manifesto. And mm. if I recall um, something I have read, um, they took the label Agile because they thought it also reflects best or the word represents best what they wanted to express by adaptiveness and response to change Mm. so I think that's maybe their reason for having taken it and that's why it was important for their approach so I see it as a capability so that's interesting so you've 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 obviously you know I guess the word pivots overused these days but you've certainly moved into into agile and you, you probably have been learning a lot about that as you've been implementing with the teams as a, as a team facilitator how do you see that applying to HR and L&D? Yeah, that's a really good question. If I may say that, um, when I started here in New Zealand, um, I had a mentor back in Switzerland and um, she and I talked about HR and Agile and she always said to me, what do you mean exactly? And my vision wasn't that clear on that. It became clearer when I joined a training, a virtual training um, conducted by Agile people in Sweden Mm -hmm. and um, their module on Agile and HR kind of opened opened my eyes Mm -hmm. and um, so from that I adopted um, two perspectives. 
-hmm. for me, there is the perspective of how should HR work? And then with the agile um, umbrella, like glasses on that, and I'll explain mm -hmm. that. And what should HR deliver to or together with the business? Mm -hmm. And um, if I look at the how, it is for me um, looking at what kind of frameworks or uh, what kind of tools might there be that help HR to adapt to that change and deal with this uncertainty. So there, for me, it comes in to reflect as an HR department, is it possible to use Scrum? And mm -hmm. if so, Scrum is a framework, Agile mm -hmm. framework, or is it possible to use Kanban? But almost more important is, what does the customer want? So take the customer perspective. And that for me is agile too. Look at what the customer wants and expects of HR. So that's more the how, where I, I think human resources can take an approach in their new way of working. Mm. And when it comes to what to deliver, I think the classical things like recruitment, um, and we were talking about le um, learning and development, they also have to undergo a change yes. because I think it's not one size fits all anymore. Mm -hmm. And maybe a recruitment process needs to have a workflow and needs mm -hmm. to be transparent. So at the deliverable side, it is a different approach to and integrate the stakeholders mainly too. Yes, yes. And it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I find when I talk to people that Agile and, and L&D and HR is, is so misunderstood that, that people think that uh, Kanban or the actual or Scrum in particular, that is that is Agile. So, well, no, that's a methodology for Agile. Yeah. Agile is the approach, the mindset that goes with that. And I think that's a really key distinction. Yes. All, all these terms are being bandied around and people go, well, well, what, what's what, you know? So, so it's a really, it's a, a great distinction. And I think, as you say, that customer first solving their problems is really a big focus of Agile, isn't it? Yes, yes. For me, it is. So if I may give an example, when I used to work in learning and development for this real estate provider, I had colleagues who were um, more responsible for the recruitment and I would take over the onboarding process. So when we started to analyze this process and onboarding actually for me starts where you um, have signed the contract and that's when the journey starts until if there's like a probationary period until the end of that. And so we got together our team from um, the business partners who would do the recruitment in this company and the HR service who were also part of this process and people from my department. And we had a colleague from a different department who did a customer journey mapping with us mm -hmm. because our tendency was to have our HR glasses and look mm -hmm. at the process. Mm -hmm. And she made us think of, yeah, but what would a candidate think? What does the person who has signed the contract, what does the person want? Do they want this in written form? Do they want it electronically? Do they want a text message? Whatever. So that was really eye-opening because putting the customer in the middle of the process makes you think about things that might be redundant or things you do not have in your process yet. Yes, and that just makes me think. I've just helped a um, self-storage business go from paper-based to basically online. 
And one of the things was actually taking, as I say, like basically digitizing the process. What we've done is we've said to the customer, do you want to come in? Do you want to sign it on your phone using DocuSign? Do you want to receive it as an email, scan it and send it back to us on email? Because they are different customers. And I hadn't actually yes. thought about that. That was quite customer-centric, even though we didn't ask them. So would you suggest, like, using going back to the recruitment example, would you suggest that you would, in that part of the process, then give the candidate the choice? Or do you, how, how, do you, how do you design when different people might have different preferences for a certain thing? I would probably, uh, if it was um, a human resources department, we were talking about how can we go on our own agile journey. I would probably take a process like the recruitment process or the onboarding process where I can have the steps looking from the customer angle, even if it's just us, the way I described it. And then I would design the process and probably first with internal people because you always have new hires who just came on board, who are still quite new to their experience, how the onboarding was before they came into the company, the onboarding is when they are already in the company. And I would have like probably dialogues with them or build focus groups to really verify if what we came up with um, is something that is valid. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So there's quite a few methodologies there. Like the customer journey mapping is, is, a, is a technique, right? And it, as is hosting and holding focus groups. Oh God, that takes me back to my university days. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, they're, they're, so they're quite they're good methodologies to sort of have in your toolkit, I guess. If I um, can say that, um, we also, now that our work is an agile team facilitator, we use these tools um, mm. quite a lot. And I think um, one main aspect also for me in Agile is you want feedback. So you have constant feedback loops to mm. improve. And if you talk to customers and um, in this sense like new employees, you can get the feedback and you can adjust your process and then you can get feedback again. And I think it's like a constant trying to adapt to the changing world. That's what I meant by agile because it's not that the process is finished because the world changes too. Yes, yes, as we've seen. Yeah, and I think it's it's this mentality of changing from being reactive mm -hmm. in human resources more to proactive and looking for customer feedback and looking for this aspect of wanting to change the processes and the tools in the HR so that they are more customer friendly. So I guess it takes us to um, learning and development in organizations and businesses. How, how would you apply, what would your recommendations be for applying a, an agile approach to, to design, development, analysis, delivery of, of content or learning, training? Oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I'm not so sure if I can answer that. I would maybe, if I may, start differently. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, nowadays um, it is really, really important that we um, foster an environment in organizations where people learn. Mm -hmm. um, um, you are probably uh, familiar with Peter Drucker, um, mm. who um, is someone everybody knows when we talk about change and change management. Um, he said once, we now accept the fact that learning is a lifelong process of keeping abreast of change. And mm. the most pressing task is to teach people how to learn. Mm. So I think before we can start thinking about designing, mm. 
Mm-hmm. It is important to think about how do people learn and how can we help people to learn in this new environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I look at it, and you might um, have the same view, a lot of our learning takes place through experience Mm. and uh, learning from colleagues, so like on the job. Mm -hmm. And often often a learning and development department focuses quite a lot on these courses that are more off the job or formal courses. Mm -hmm. So um, I think as learning and development um, has to adapt to a new environment, we need to find new ways of providing an environment where people can learn. Mm-hmm. And also tools that people can use on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might bring us to a new strategy and also to new roles in learning and development. We might not have um, the learning and development specialist for everything anymore. We might have different people. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are lots of aspects in that. Can you relate to that? Oh, and I totally, yes, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm just reading for the first time um, Peter Singe's Fifth Discipline, and it's quite heavy, but it's all about that. And it's about systems thinking and solving business problems from a systems, like looking at the whole picture, not just this little thing here, which is often when we get, can, can you give us some training, please, on that little piece without looking at the big picture? But I think, as you say, more and more now is the environment to teach people that being a lifelong learner is really important. Because, you know, all of those people that may have been redeployed had to reskill. I mean, if you didn't have a learning mindset, that could have been quite difficult for people. Yeah. And so I've been thinking a lot about how do we learn? And, and like before nine o'clock today, I'd learned six new things. Did I go somewhere and do a course? No. A couple of times I asked someone and the rest of the time I was just curious and thought, ah, to solve that problem, I wonder what that looks like. So yeah. and did some research. So I think, I mean, it'd be really interesting to like for people to track how much, how many things they learned in a day. I think people would be really surprised. But then how do you foster that? I think um, that's where we come to a key point, probably. Um, I think it's about culture. And if you want to um, try to go into an agile transformation in whatever form that might be, I think the first thing you need to look at is culture and mm-hmm. uh, come to a culture where people um, are also allowed to experiment yes. and also allowed to um, do something, might get a bloody nose because it didn't work, but they still learned something. So it's mm-hmm. all about learning. It's getting away from maybe um, what we might still encounter quite often, a blame culture, rather Mm -hmm. to, wow, how cool, Um, an agile mantra, you failed fast and you failed and you learned from it. Mm -hmm. So if we can foster that type of culture and people are not afraid to experiment and try out something and um, find their own ways of learning, that is the first step for me. Mm. And, and I think people get a bit scared when you start talking about, you know, learning culture, et cetera. Um, Gary Ridge from WD40 is just very well known. He's an Australian guy, headed up um, WD40 in the States since late 1990s. And his whole theory is we have learning moments. We don't fail. There, and when he took over and actually built that as a culture in that business, 
their engagement scores went through the roof. And, yeah. and what followed after that, and it did take time, um, their, all of their financial metrics went up as well because people were not scared to make mistakes because they were yes. learning moments. So I think, but and you've been in, you said you've been in executive development. That, that surely has got to come from the top, I'm guessing. It has to be modelled and accepted right at the top. Um, I think, yeah, you bring me to something which I wanted to point out too. And there's a really good um, article from um, Harvard Business uh, Review that um, talks about the Agile C-suite. And mm. I agree with you. I think, I don't know if it has to come from the top, but I think the um, top management is part of this process, meaning they also need to go through a transformation. They mm -hmm. also need to go um, uh, down that road of feedback. So they need to receive feedback and they need to uh, learn how they might be perceived and by what kind of message they scare people off. Mm. So what you just quoted, this person, I'm sorry, I forgot the name. I didn't oh, know him. Yeah, um, WD40. Yeah. Like can of oil <laughs> yeah so he created this by probably being a role model and encouraging that and learning himself mm -hmm. and receiving feedback and adapting to that so i think yeah it partly comes from the top i think learning and development can start with small tweaks by mm -hmm. offering new formats mm -hmm. and i think human resources can start by really trying something like kanban or scrum and experimenting and seeing um does maybe something like a retrospective from scrum which is a feedback session mm -hmm. does it help them to improve how they work you know mm -hmm. And does it help them to visualize their work? Because then they are all on the same page and they've got transparency. So I think it's experimenting there too, little steps. Yes, exactly. And and my favorite podcast from 2020 was um, David James from Loop interviewing Tracy Waters from Sky TV in the UK. Brilliant, brilliant. And it was just under the radar, the way she introduced it to her team. And then and they did a little experiment for three months and all that really works before it went out to the wider business. So no one even needs to know to get started with it. Um, so just make a plan and understand what you're doing in the philosophy. And you can probably, you know, as you say, do some experiments on that. Yeah. And I think don't be afraid to start. I think the main thing is to start. Whatever you want to do, I mean, Scrum is being used widely in organizations. It might not be what you want to have. You could use Kanban or you could just take, like I said, the retrospective or start hmm. a customer journey mapping. I mean, there's lots out there. I remember that when uh, in my last position, we went to um, visit uh, an insurance company and they started it more or less as a grassroots movement in their uh, HR department. They started to visualize their work. So they just took some stickies, put them on mm -hmm. the wall, and this evolved from there. It turned out into later a conference where they would meet all together and apply different ways of working. So bit by bit, they went there. They started where they were and evolved from there. Absolutely. And I saw that recently with a large company that replaced their learning management system. They didn't use Agile at all. But user stories were really important to get the requirements out. So rather than going and getting a big list of requirements of 5,000 things off the internet, they said, actually, well, what does the admin need? What does the end user need? What does the manager need? What does the L&D team need? And, it's like, and turn them into user stories, which is actually also something that you would use in Agile. So 
you're quite right. You can actually just take those those little bits. Um, but then I guess if people do want to go and get trained, it sounds, did you train and did you say you did a course in Sweden? Is that something that? Yes. I um, So um, go? <laughs> uh, I really, um, I, I would like to recommend it if that's okay. I really yeah, enjoyed it. Hmm. And I'm not so aware of so many courses. So um, the organization is called Agile People mm-hmm. and um, Pia Maria Torren, she's the founder and mm-hmm. she's got a lot of experience with Agile and um, she's got different modules and one really focuses on human resources. Mm-hmm. I recommend, and I think it's almost mandatory to do the Agile Foundations then too, so mm-hmm. that you've got an understanding of what is the background for Agile. So like mm-hmm. the Agile Manifesto and maybe some frameworks that explain complexity and what's the difference between a simple environment, a complex and a complicated environment, because mm-hmm. that might open your mind for oh, the tools we have now or our thinking we have now might not help us anymore in this complex world. So we have to pivot. We have Mm -hmm. to learn something new. We have to unlearn ourselves uh, and relearn. And um, the module, I I would recommend it because she touches it everything, you know, so like recruitment, but also performance review, learning and development. So it's really quite a broad course with the deep dive into what does Agile mean for human resources. Mm, beautiful. We'll put that in the resources list because that because that sounds really good. It's always good to get recommendations because there's certainly not a lot in New Zealand, um, but that's great to know. So that will go on the resources list. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's a book, but unfortunately it's in German. Um, but I'd like to mention it anyway, because yes. there is um, someone in Germany, her name is Nele Graf, and she did um, quite a lot of research into agile learning. Mm-hmm. And that involves um looking at how the roles change. So the role of the learner changes. Mm -hmm. She talks more like a person who doesn't consume what's offered anymore, but actively looks for something. So Mm -hmm. I translated it and they talk about a prosumer. I don't know if that makes sense in English, but it's not about consuming. It's about really taking it in and taking your own responsibility for your learning process. So that changes Mm -hmm. on the learner side. And she talks about the manager, what the role is, and also the um, learning and development department. Mm -hmm. And she... um, she is, um, I think, very interesting, but unfortunately in German. And she also talks a lot about formats, so new formats, you know, which could be used and um, might be helpful for organizations to try out. So it's that was actually, well, that's one of the things I learned this morning was that you can actually translate websites. I knew you could do it. I went and found out how to do it. It's pretty simple. Translated a French website into English. Yeah. I wonder if there's a similar tool for books, like on your Kindle. <laughs> I don't know, but um, I know it's a PDF. It's a white paper called um, Agile Learning in German, of course, Agiles Lernen. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the PDF can be um, put into a translation machine. I agree. <laughs> okay, that's good. We'll put that in the resource list too, and hopefully some of our listeners will be able to tell us how to translate it. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. But Pia Maria Torren, she's got a good book too. So if um, your audience is interested in that, it's um, it's a book I can also um, just highly recommend. So it's um, Agile People, a Radical Approach for HR and Managers. So um, I would probably as a resource start with this book. Start with that one. Um, 
she came to New Zealand recently, didn't she? Like recently in the last couple of years? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't here, but she um, works closely with someone from um, Wellington. Yes, a, a surety or yeah, Cheryl Tenzi. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, I mean, you're just a fountain of resources and information here. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tell me, what are some of the traps to avoid in an agile practice? I think the biggest trap is not to start. Uh-huh. Um, so we've covered that already. And then I think um, I don't want to be too um, too theoretical here, but there is uh, something called the Kinefin framework. And um, if you look at that framework, um, I think the trap is to apply our thinking, which might often go into the simple uh, thinking or it's complicated and it's a different approach. So we are more and more dealing with complex things. So um, if I take, for example, a plate of spaghetti, it's not predictable when I pull the spaghetti what happens in the system. <laughs> so when you work with people, you don't know what happens. <laughs> so I think, <laughs> yeah. So I think to underestimate and think you just get a few consultants and that's it and it'll work by itself. It's not. It takes a long, long time to transform an organization. Mm. And I'd like to go back to what I said first, start with the culture. Mm. Um, You have to work on the culture. It doesn't help if you just change the terminology for the roles or change your processes. You have Mm. to look at the whole system Mm. and how the culture needs to change so that you have the outcome you want. Mm. And, and I think you, when you say transformation takes time, when I talked about WD-40 and, and what Gary Ridge had done, yes, their engagement scores went through the roof, you know, from the from the late 90s through, but their share price and their all of their financial metrics on the stock market, et cetera, that didn't actually hit for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But what happened was it was going, it was still increasing slowly, slowly, slowly. And then after 10 years, it just went, it was like, it was vertical. It was amazing. And, and you can't tell me that that wasn't just 10 years of culture and transformation that then immediately had impacted share price, but it didn't happen straight away. Um, and and he's, he has been a constant. He's still the CEO there. So, yeah. and, and how often do CEOs turn over in New Zealand? Probably every five to six years, and then you get that new broom. And so it's quite hard to possibly have that consistency. So, yeah. Yeah. It I, needs patience. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, so we've really sort of talked about transitioning to it. It's really, it is just get started, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah. Get curious. Stay curious. And I think human resources doesn't need to wait for anyone. I think we, if I say we, it's my past, so to say, <laughs> um, we are at the core of it. You know, we are the ones in touch with all the people. And we, I think we are the influencers and we just have to understand how much we have as an impact on the organization, depending on what kind of process and, and tools we we bring out there, you know. Mm. Yeah. And our thinking can be a thinking for role modeling. That's right. That's exactly right. Gosh. So is there any other, you talked you know, through, throughout the, uh, our chat, um, sort of a lot of resources. Are there any other resources that you had on your list to share with, with everybody? Well, 
I have to admit, right now I'm really passionate about Kanban, which is not so common yet in New Zealand. I'm learning, and um, I um, I embrace it because I'm in in a virtual course right now. And actually, the other day when we talked about Kanban systems design, we applied it to recruitment, mm-hmm. um, and it was really helpful for the whole group because it's something everybody can relate to, and we found it really helpful to use Kanban. So yes, I do have a resource. It's really simple. It's just called Kanban, the book, uh, and it's written by David um, Anderson. And um, for me, um, as much as I work with Scrum now, for me, Kanban has the um, wonderful change principle, start where you're at now and go from there. Mm -hmm. And also leadership at all levels, um, meaning that everybody can make the change Mm. so yeah if i may recommend it another book i would recommend that one yeah definitely is now is that i think i might have read that is it quite a big book and it's got lots of pictures in it is is that the one it's a blue book and um it's got um the subtitle successful evolutionary change for your technology business and like i said david j anderson wrote it yes and i think it's just the like the basic book to read first and um i'm not so sure but i think there are other resources but that's the one i would recommend well that is awesome is is there anything else that you'd want to share with lnd hr people about agile before we sign off um maybe just be curious try experiment yourselves and um, maybe yourselves go through this experiment explore what does it mean to be self-organized yeah just um create yourself a day of where there's nothing in the training and you have to self-organize and find out what you want to learn about. Uh, Just be open-minded and always put yourself into your customer's shoes. How might they feel about it? Would they enjoy it and um, explore with new formats? That's probably something. So that is a great place to end because you started with put your customer first and you're still saying put your customer first to end with. Um, And if people want to get hold of you in terms of um, through LinkedIn, what's the best way for people to get hold of you? Yeah, I think LinkedIn. I uh, I'm present on LinkedIn. So if if my name is out there, which you've got, I don't know yes. if you put it into the resources <laughs> and at Leuchtville. And I'd be happy to if people reach out to me. I'd be happy to share um, what other people experience in their organizations. I'm always eager to learn. I'm experimenting constantly, especially now that I'm in a new role. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're Wellington based? No, I'm in Auckland. I'm in Auckland. Auckland based, right. Yes, I'm in Auckland. So given this is about only about 45% of our listeners are from New Zealand, so maybe even less of those. So so for for others, they might be able to reach out on LinkedIn and you can have a Zoom call with them for the rest of the world that might be interested. Sure. And I don't know if somebody wants to speak French or Spanish or German, (laughs) I'd be willing to do that too. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time. That's great to have connected. And um, I think you just, there's a mountain of resource for people that want to to get into this. So thank you so much. I thank you, Rustika, for... um, having me on your podcast I'm really honored if you'd like to get in touch with me to suggest topics or speakers you can contact me on LinkedIn or Facebook or find the links in the show notes below keep on smiling